You're listening to the Root and Stem Podcast, a podcast exploring issues and stories in STEAM education. On this episode, Andrew McConnell explores the importance of implementing Indigenous knowledge in STEAM language and education. English, Andrew McConnell. I am the coordinator for First Nation Métis Inuit Education at the York Region District School Board, uh, which is in Ontario. It's the school board that's immediately north of Toronto, and we're actually the third largest school board in uh, the province. And my role really is to support the integration of Indigenous content across the board, um, coordinating the activities of some consultants, we have three consultants right now, uh, the work of two Indigenous student advisors, a transition coordinator. I work closely with uh, the coordinator for Indigenous languages, and I also get to work with uh, the Indigenous Education Advisory Council, with other board leads in the province. It's uh, it's a pretty dynamic job, but really it's about trying to figure out and explore how we're going to do bring Indigenous educational models, pedagogies, ways of thinking, and content into, into classrooms in a good way. We spent a lot of time talking about curriculum, and really, that's not the current issue. Like, like yes, curriculum could always be better. Curriculum could be more inclusive. Um, but we actually already have a lot of places for inclusion in our current curriculums, right? Like the the history, social studies, social science, um, you know, curriculum was updated in 2018 from grade four to grade 12. And it, and it brought in a lot more um, specific mention of Indigenous content. And again, expectation that teachers had to teach it. Because here's the other thing, it was actually in the prior curriculum changes prior to 2018, it was there. Well, because it was in this, for those who don't know how Ontario curriculum works, you have to teach and assess, evaluate overall expectations. You don't have to cover all the specifics. <laughs> and prior to 2018, the overalls didn't specifically mention Indigenous content. So a lot of teachers stayed in their comfort space um, and, and they weren't covering any of the Indigenous stuff that was in their curriculum packages. Now in 2018, we got the update. So people are supposed to be including it. Uh, what we've been working on since 2018 with teachers is really bring them to us uh, a position of understanding of what that actually looks like what what is indigenous content and what is relevant and what sits within uh, those curriculum p- packages and i'm talking about all curriculum packages really to be honest i'm talking from history which everybody seems to think that's where indigenous people are which is yes we're there obviously because we've been here the whole time um but we've we are still here. And so all of those contemporary subjects still should have Indigenous people within them and represented and points of views discussed. But for a lot of non-Native folks that I work with and that I know um, and that I meet and that we support, they're, they're sort of, I don't want to use the word victim. Victim is too much. They, they are stuck with what they learned themselves, which I went through the public education system. And there wasn't much there as I was growing up. Certainly everything I know about being Indigenous has come through my contact and work with and being an Indigenous person myself and other Indigenous people. Like that's that's how I know what I know. Um, so I understand 
I understand why so many teachers are working from a position of not knowing. And, and so then they tend to default to what they see around them, which is popular media. And popular media really doesn't, you know, indigenous people at all. Um, tends to present, you know, Gerald Feisner always refers to this, the simulation of the indigenous as opposed to the actual indigenous. And, you know, I, I'd agree with that, rep- that representation of wholeheartedly. Because, you know, most of what I grew up with was a simulation of Native folks. And I would look at it on television, in the news media, and you'd see vague representations occasionally of people you might know or people you might be related to. But there are more caricatures than anything. And unfortunately, that's that's what teachers tend to work from, or caricatures. And so they're, they're highly problematic, um, to be honest. So really, a lot of the work is supporting people to work with the curriculum as it is right now. Like I said, yeah, it could be better. It could be written differently. It could be more representational. It could be that we could always do better. But right now, a lot of our work I find is actually teaching up to the curriculum as it currently exists and, and making really good connections uh, with local community, with people who know, um, and, and for teachers to find opportunities to learn. That's kind of where I, I would say we are. I mean, why do I think it's important? It's and what I say to a lot of folks is because I've heard this. So York region, we're in the South. And so we have a lot of students who are not indigenous. And so, you know, this is certainly what I used to hear when I was a kid. Certainly when I heard when I was a young man, it was like, you know, we don't need to do that. We don't have any of those. Uh, you know, first, it's rather insulting to be referred to as those. Um, you know, and I would take that up with folks. But then, you know, I, I did, and I still do remind people is that every single one of your students will have an effect on Indigenous people in Canada if they're living here. Most Indigenous people have to deal with the Canadian government, the provincial government, uh, territorial governments. So, you know, when you think that your students are going to grow up as adults, uh, every decision they make when it comes to politics is going to have an effect on Indigenous people. And a lot of the decisions have been made, made out of ignorance and therefore cause a lot of issues unless you're indigenous. So I, I point that out to folks. The other one I point out to folks is that Canada is in a country on indigenous land. You would never make the argument in England that you are not going to teach English culture. You would never make the argument in Italy that you are not going to teach Italian culture. You would never, you just wouldn't make that argument in any European country that you would not teach the local culture, or better yet, include the points of view of the local people, because that's really what we're talking about. It goes way beyond culture. It goes to our points of view, our ways of being, our ways of practicing, our ways of, of how we do science, how we do literature. How we, to not include us is, is so strange to me, because you never do that in any other country in the world, right? Um, in Japan, you study Japanese literature. So why wouldn't you at some point take up and come to an understanding of the literatures of the people who are here? And and again, like even the treatment of us as exotic, we're not exotic. We're from here. These are our homes. These are our lands. It's like, it's not just, you know, this isn't just where we were born. Like our whole lineage was born here. And so, so much of the storytelling that you could tuck into in a literature course um, we're talking about literacy and we're talking about, you know, indigenous authors and creators. Um, 
those things that they are making are direct lines back to their family, their place, and their being. And um, to not to not engage with that in education just seems strange to me because, again, you wouldn't do that to any other indigenous population around the world, right? The Scottish population is they're, they're indigenous to Scotland, right? English folks are indigenous to England, uh, and so on and so forth. So it just seems strange that uh, that we would somehow avoid doing it here. No, I'm I'm Nishnabe, I'm Ojibwe, right? Like, there's nowhere else in the world you're going to find us. This is our home. This is where we're from. You know, all of our names are all over the lands. Um, and you're going to find that everywhere you move around Canada, right? There is an indigenous population. They are there. Um, their names are on the land, right? I think, and, and, and that's, that's something we need to take into our thoughts as we really engage with education, right? Like, I know we drew a huge line around the country and called it Canada, but for those of us who are indigenous, we know our traditional territories. You know where we are. Uh, we know who we're in relationship with. And it would be good because um, we certainly do it for education, right? We do education provincially, not not nationally, um, that we would also come into some sort of relationship with a local Indigenous communities first. And then also engage with Indigenous communities from across, you know, you know, in our language, you know, we should give me to sing, Turtle Island. Um, because we don't even draw lines at the border with the U.S., right? Anishinaabe folk who are in Michigan speak the same language as Anishinaabe folk in Ontario and Manitoba. Yeah, there's a dialectical difference, um, but it's still the same language. So, you know, those are all things I, I would like people to really kind of hold in their mind and, and understand as we as we talk about these things. So that's, that's kind of where my wherewithal comes from, right? It just seems strange to me that still in 2023, People think it's okay to leave out the local populations in North America, but see it as absolutely normal everywhere else in the world to include the local population. We have this drive to generalize things. Um, and I understand generalization and why we tend to do it. Um, but I don't find it works, especially when we talk about education, right? Um, because wherever we teach you know, you're teaching in a specific building in a specific place in a specific community and you can't you can't move away from those those effects of those those pieces you're teaching on specific lands so therefore you have access to specific kinds of um science around you right and those things all play in there um and yet we we do have an issue that we're talking about non-indigenous people teaching about indigenous minds and ideas mindsets and ideas about science um that it is common but not generalized if that makes sense right what i'm really talking about here is like you know it, it it's it's very common to see indigenous knowledge not included in science and then when it is included to be diminished um or to only be valued once you've explained the knowledge through uh western scientific methods um, which again, that's not the same thing as say, you know, uh, Marshall's ideas around two-eyed seeing. And if people don't know what two-eyed seeing is and who Marshall is, you really need to look into it if you're going to look at science. Um, but again, it's about the two things walking alongside each other. Um, so when we're talking about, you know, what are the issues? A lot of the issues are, I'll go back to the, my first answer, which talks about knowledge. People are, have a lack of knowledge. Um, but then the other one is that then people naturally 
This is a natural thing for any human being to do. They will try to come to an understanding and therefore explain things through their own lens, which generally changes the access to the knowledge and the understanding of it. And in many cases, what I find is that when Western when Western lenses are applied to indigenous knowledge, it tends to turn it into some sort of folk idea and that it wasn't actually valid or useful until it passed through somebody else's version of research. Um, or, you know, one of the things I'm often pointing out to folks is publishing, right? You have a lot of researchers who spend time with communities, um, asking them specifically about things, uh, what's going on in their environment, what are they seeing, what sort of changes, collecting data, quite literally, from a human population, uh, which isn't properly accredited. The person who collected the data and then writes the article, they get the accreditation. They get, um, you know, it, they are the holders of the knowledge all of a sudden, when really they were a collector. The holders of the knowledge are the community um, that they took that from. You've seen that with environmental sciences and stuff like that. So, so and you can see it, there is this, this push to validate through a particular lens. And that's where I see really is our biggest issue. Like I, I keep thinking back to Albert Marshall and Two-Eyed Singh, and I think he kind of has it right. This idea that you present, what does the indigenous community see and know about something through really the handing down of knowledge over a long period of time in a different system of education? Um, and then, And then what does Western science say about it as well? Not to validate what the indigenous uh, population may know about something, but to help give a further, deeper explanation of something. Um, and I think that that really is what we value. I know indigenous people who've got science degrees, right? They're amazing to sit and talk because they have A, the stories and the knowledge and the understanding of how things were and how they've changed. And they can also go into you know, chemical properties of things and what we've learned about how things work at atomic levels, those sorts of stuff. Um, you know, when you bring it all together, you get a better sense of what can be done and what can be changed. And maybe in some cases what we should go back to. Um, but yeah, I find that that really that number one concern about non-native people teaching native things is just it, it's a it's a it's a very shallow understanding and they will default to their own lens because that's a human thing. Right, we default to what we know, and at that, that really is where some of the limitations lie. There needs to be a change in pedagogical approaches in some classrooms, and like I said, like again, pedagogy depends so much on the teacher, their experiences, and also what they have available to. Right, like you know, like what do you have in your classroom? What do you have in your community? Who do you have access to? That that's a key thing. Um, but I mean, it's it's interesting because because a lot of our our practice when we teach science, like I said, this isn't universal. People do all sorts of innovative, amazing things. I've worked with so many good science teachers <laughs> in my career, um, but but there is a there is an ease in working in a laboratory setting because you can isolate things. You can be very specific about what you're teaching, um, and therefore hit off those curriculum expectations I spoke about earlier. Right, um, and it's it's um, it's a factory method for education, 
right? It's, I've got a list of things I have to get you to understand and to demonstrate understanding. You know, we use our models of testing, um, lab reports, and all those pieces that are, that are relevant to learn, but don't necessarily lead to a deep understanding and learning that we look for in indigenous knowledge, so to speak. Um, and one of the, one of the best explanations I ever, I ever heard, I was, I was doing some work with a group trying to develop some curriculum for science. And uh, he didn't actually start with knowledge. Uh, this is a gentleman from uh, Oneida of the Tams. And unfortunately, his name escapes me, but he just, it was just brilliant in the way he put it out there. Um, he did not start with the knowledge, right? Uh, what he started with was the way we teach. And he said, yeah, you know, indigenous pedagogy is you do, you do the work with your students, right? We teach you while we're doing the work and we do it together. Uh, we do it alongside. Um, I show you how to do the work and in showing you how to do the work, I'm teaching you how to do the work. And then the next time I, I stand alongside you while you're doing the work and do those correction pieces as we go. And then finally at the end, um, I'm not even involved in the work. I'm off to the side and I watch and I praise. And I've heard this described by other folks in different ways in different spaces. I knew Sagata Mitra um, did some work in India uh, with uh, the whole Nawal experiment, which is a good thing to look at when you think about pedagogy. But it's basically, you know, kids learn themselves um, when they are presented with something to learn and a space and a place to do that learning. Um, they'll do it on their own. But it's much more efficient when they do it with guidance or they do it with somebody in the moment, right? And so sometimes I, I wish that's what we did for science education. Um, I know like one of, one of the greatest examples I ever saw um, for dissection, a um, friend of mine was working in Pekanjikum up north uh, where people still trap. And uh, a trapper had brought in um, a beaver that he had caught. Uh, and that beaver has to be cleaned, has to be prepared. You know, the meat has to be done this certain way. The skin has to be taken off in a particular way. All these things have to happen um, in order to honor that end. Um, and so it was brought into the science classroom and they set aside the lessons that they would have been doing and instead turned it into a biology class. And the trapper went through what he was doing, how he was dissecting the animal, what each part was, named it in English and Ojibwe, um, and really got to this point of the students learning by being there around this person. They learned about the animal, learned about respect for the animal. They learned what all the parts are. Um, so, and they've seen them now, um, you know, like in front of them. So now they know what a liver looks like. They know what a heart looks like. They understand bones. They understand muscle tissue, skin tissue, because they saw it. We only had one animal, right? It's not like sometimes when you see with high school systems where we've got up, everybody's got to order in a large amount of specimens because everybody has to get their own specimen. That's the way we tend to teach. And we have to do all these things to store those specimens, right? Um, you know, he, he went through and did all these things. And then the next thing is, you know, is that everything was used around, right? It is food. The skin is used. It is sold. It does feed the family beyond just the animal itself. Um, and it also maintains those cultural ties to the land and an understanding and respect. Like, why do we care about that land? Well, because those animals are out there. 
right? And that deep understanding of how we are connected with the livelihood of those animals and all the things that keep them alive, the water, the plants, all the other things, right, that are there, that all comes out of that lesson. And it's incredible, right? Because they are able to do that and, and, and make that change. Here's the thing. The board I work for is an urban board. Like, first of all, there's almost no beavers in the area. Um, second of all, nobody's trapping because it's illegal. Um, and then finally, um, I really don't think a lot of parents would necessarily react well to somebody bringing in a beaver and dissecting it in front of their children in the classroom because culturally down here, that doesn't happen. And so there's those pieces too that are just completely outside of the classroom, but the classroom is dependent upon, and that is the local culture. Um, and sometimes those are the those are the huge barriers to how we get to things, right? And yet, for me as an indigenous person, that's how we learn science, right? Like that's how we approach it. We learn science by using it, or really kind of seeing how a lot of scientific theory was derived in the first place. Start with the phenomena and draw out this theory after the fact, right? Bring it out of those pieces. Um, I would love to see that happen more often in science classes. I would find it far more useful, valuable. Um, so, you know, it's it's that sort of stuff. That's what I'd like to see. It's just, it's difficult because of the way our systems are set up and, our, and the realities of where we all live. And those things have to be understood um, as we try to approach these ideas about, you know, native science sitting alongside Western science. For more knowledge and stories from STEAM professionals, check out the Root and STEM magazine at pingwa.com or more episodes of the Root and STEM podcast available to download on your streaming platform of choice.